This week's episode of the Getting to Know podcast is brought to you by Nina Connection Groups. Connections are employee resource groups created for employees by employees. Interested in creating a group or joining our women's or young professional ERG? Contact communications at nina.com for more information. Hey, everybody. It's Mike Rickheim. Thanks for joining us today for another edition of the Getting to Know podcast. Today, I'm joined by our managing director in Redbridge, Jonathan Robson, part of our industrial solutions business. Jonathan, thanks for joining us today on the Getting to Know podcast. Thanks for having me, Mike. Happy to have you. Tell us a little bit about how you got to Nina, how long you've been here, where you're focused today. Um, I've come from the Fiber Mart route to Nina. So I took over running Redbridge back in 2012 and then became part of Nina when Fiber Mart was acquired in 2015. Six years. So you started running the Redbridge facility or had responsibility around that business when Nina uh, purchased Fiber Mart. Yeah. Got it. How different has the experience been um, from Fibermark standing alone to the Nina experience for those of you in Redbridge? Oh, very different, Mike. Before we were bought, I basically had had enough. Uh, so I just started to look for another role. And then I was told we were being acquired by Nina, decided to give it a go. And then rapidly came to the conclusion this was the best company I'd ever worked for. So it went from one that wasn't great to being really good, less politics, more focused, more professional. I don't think I've ever worked for a company where people are as helpful as they are at Nina. And that was something that really struck me right from the off. Well, that's great to hear. And I, I got to tell you, if, if I'd have known where I was going to get an answer like that off the bat, we'd have had you on the Getting to Know podcast a lot sooner. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Now, how long had you been with the Fibermark business prior to the acquisition? I took over on the 1st of April, 2012, April Fool's Day. Talk to me about um, what it is, where, where it is that you focus, you and your team focus there in Redbridge. What, what categories do you play in? Where do you spend the majority of your time? Well, the business has three main sectors. Because firstly, for anyone who doesn't know, we're not a paper mill. We are a coater and converter at Redbridge. Um, so the longest, uh, most traditional part of the business is we make cover materials for pattern books, menus, for books, very durable products made of cotton. Uh, and that's been going since the 1920s. The biggest chunk of the business is security. We supply more passport cover contracts than anybody in the world. We have most of the contracts in Europe and, and many others scattered around the world. That's mostly paper. And then the big focus and growth area for us is performance label where we're seeking to emulate the success of our American colleagues and, and build a similar position in Europe. So when you say most of the passports around the globe, is that the actual passport cover or the entire passport or how does that work? It's the cover. Uh, most of those covers uh, are either latex saturated paper or cotton. So we supply typically about 80 to 100 contracts in a year. Uh, and as I say, we do most of the ones in Europe, quite a few in the Middle East, Africa, some in the Americas and some in Asia as well. But there's still plenty to go after. Got it. So for those of, of us in the Getting to Know podcast who, who maybe don't know the full geography and don't recognize Redbridge, they probably have detected that this is not an Alpharetta, Georgia accent. So Jonathan, where exactly is Redbridge? 
And where did you grow up and how far is that from Redbridge? I'm from a town called St. Helens, which is in northern England. It's near Liverpool. And I was born and raised there. Redbridge itself is in sunny Bolton, which is an old textile town um, just north of Manchester. So as a, as a young boy in the northern part of England, did you grow up thinking that you would be leading a business, creating the world's passports? Or you know, what, what, what was the dream early on? Uh, no, um, I never, ever dreamed of something like this. And I probably thought it was really boring when I was seven years old. My father was a, a, a soldier. And then when he left the army and got married, he, um, he worked at Ford's on a production line, making cars for Ford's for 30 years. So I, I thought for a long time I'd join the military. But when I thought about it in my teens, I decided, no, that wasn't for me. Uh, and it was only really when I went to university that I decided I wanted to go into business. So coming out of school, so you go to you go to university, uh, you graduate and start your career. Walk us through kind of what those early days were like for you and, and what you were doing. Well, I, I knew I wanted to go into manufacturing. Um, I, I just wanted to be in an industry where you actually make things. And I, I thought I was quite logical about it. I targeted the chemical industry because it was Britain was a world-class player in chemicals. So I joined what was at the time the second biggest chemical company in Britain called Albright & Wilson, did various jobs there. I started out as a commercial trainee, so they throw you into different functions, and then I ended up in sales and marketing. And I did UK sales, uh, Africa, the Middle East, Latin America. Um, and then after about eight, nine years, I left and went into the oil industry where I, um, they never seem to find oil anymore in nice places. You always end up going to the most dangerous and unpleasant countries. So I did that for a short time, didn't really like it. So I moved to another sales role to a chemicals for coatings and worked for a company called Elementis and I became the sales director there. And then after a few years, I got headhunted to my um, first managing director position when I was about 34, which was an industrial wood coatings company. Uh, and I was there for a few years. Then I, I've done four managing director positions now. This is the longest serving one by far. If I understood correctly, a lot of kind of sales and marketing roles early on, you move into a managing director position or four in this case now. How challenging is it to pick up on more of the uh, the operations part of the business? It was. It, it was very challenging because you're in this completely new type of role and you want to go to your comfort zone. So you want to get stuck into sales. But within three months of joining, I discovered the business had huge pension deficits. So the, the first thing you have to deal with is the costs. And so that was where I focused my energies initially. So I was forced to do it really. Like it pushed me out of my comfort zone because I had no choice whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I guess no, no, no better way to to get after it than to be forced to to get after it. So you wear a lot of hats, and you and I have gotten to know each other a little bit just based on the fact that you are, in addition to being the managing director, um, you're the HR guy, and you've got your hands in just about literally every part of the business, right? Well, that's part of the fun. Um, Redbridge is small, uh, as, as most people know, and, and that means all of the senior team wear a lot of hats. I, I don't have, and I say this often in interviews, 
if if somebody wants to sit in a chair and think lofty, think lofty thoughts, they're not for Redbridge. We want people who are hands-on and get involved. Uh, and it doesn't matter what your title is at Redbridge. So, but I like that part of the job. So if you had this magic wand, or I believe in the Netherlands, they, they call that a magic stick. Uh, so if you waved a magic stick and could create the perfect day for you and your team, what would that look like? Oh, that's a tough one. I suppose, firstly, at the moment, we can all get together. So we can actually sit and interact because that's still limited. We get a couple of really big new contracts come through and we can supply them because we can get all our raw materials and everything just ticks along and goes very smoothly. I think with all the firefighting and the challenges of the last uh, year and a half, uh, I think that would be a pretty perfect day for most of us now. It sounds like a pretty good day. What would what would a huge contract for a fairly small business uh, like what you have today? What 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 would be the magnitude of something like that? Well, there are some really big ones out there. Things like one we don't have is the Chinese passport, and that's about three million dollars a year. But typically, in passport, when you win it, for most of the big ones, you win it for five, ten, twelve years minimum. So you're not just talking about the annual demand you, you're talking about a long-term supply but that would be a very big one is that a really really long sales cycle that that, that you deal with uh, based on that yes yes they are and sometimes you just got to keep going keep being there until the, the incumbent has a problem and then that's when you um, dive in and get a chance to show that you're a better supplier than they are got it Got it. You mentioned the ability to get the materials so that you could actually produce for these big contracts. Um, raw materials and some of the challenges that we've got on inputs, uh, those are hitting you guys hard. You're having to work through that as well? Yeah, it, it's. I think it's a tough time for everybody. I mean, coming originally from a sales background, I'm, I'm not someone who's naturally sympathetic to purchasing people. But at, at the moment, I feel for them. It's a really tough situation, and that feeds through to the factory and planning as they're trying to juggle what they can actually get hold of, which sometimes they don't know from week to week. So what's, uh, conversely, what's a really shitty day for Jonathan and team? <laughs> Am I allowed to say doing this kind of thing? <laughs> <laughs> for me personally, it's a day where you get to the end and you think, well, I didn't really achieve much today, even if you were busy. I think quite a few of the team would say just the challenges we're dealing with at the moment. This is where you've got to dig deep and just keep pushing on. But they are. Yeah. When you get away from Nina and Redbridge, um, what do you what do you do for fun? <laughs> well, I have to confess here, I'm a geek. I get told this uh, frequently. I, I love cinema. I, I love music, listening, not playing. You never want to hear me sing uh, and theatre. But my big passion is I'm a gamer. I'm not a video gamer. It's board games, war games, role-playing games. And my partner, Tracy, she shakes her head and says, how on earth do they ever end up with such a nerd? And that's that's my big passion. It relaxes me. <laughs> so, like, perfect night for you? Is it, like, a Friday night and you've, you're you playing, what, a, the game of Risk or Sorry or the game of Life with, with Tracy? No, no. These are games we do. Um, these are different games to those. These are much more modern board games. And if I listed them, A, I'd go on for far too long, and B, you'd probably never have heard of them. I did actually pull one out because I thought I knew you were going to ask me, but you'll have never heard of that game, Pandemic the Fall of Rome. 
that's just one of about 200 I own. I'm catching up with my friends later tonight. On a Friday night, it would be with Tracy. So perfect night there. Go for a nice meal, which we can do again. Have a nice bottle of wine and then come back and, and probably just, you know, we'll listen to some music, play one another tracks that we like. I'll tend to mock her taste in music because I tell her it's not as cool as mine. And that'd be a pretty good night. What is the ability that you have there in the, the part of the UK in which you live to get out and go to the pubs and go to the restaurants and so forth? How, how, how much have things opened up? Well, that's starting to open up now. Um, in fact, we were sat outside on Saturday in Newcastle uh, enjoying the sunshine and a, and a couple of drinks. So that's coming back. We can stay away overnight. We can go on holiday in the UK, but you can't really go abroad yet. That's... That's one of the things that's missing. So I, I hear Newcastle and Manchester and Liverpool, and I can't help but wonder. I don't know a whole lot about uh, your version of football, but I get triggered to think that you know that you live where you live, and you've you've mentioned those places. Are you a big soccer fan? Not anymore. I, I used to. I mean, when I was at school, I played rugby and cricket for the school. I grew up supporting Liverpool, and my dad would take me uh, to the matches. But I suppose over the last few years I, I just have lost a lot of interest and I have other hobbies and there's only a certain amount of time mostly because Nina works so hard so I, I just use it on other uh, on my other hobbies and interests my partner she's a Manchester City season ticket holder so we all feel feel sorry for her so you don't get dragged along to those games no she has asked me to go and I, I've made it quite clear I'm never sitting in the homestand for Man City ever. Rather stay home and play a board game by yourself that night? Yeah, I'd rather have a red hot needle shoved in my arm or something. So <laughs> sitting in the homestand with a, another team is, is, is like consulting with the enemy. Once all these restrictions are, are lifted, if uh, you and Tracy could plan the perfect vacation, where would that be? She wants to go to New York. Um, I want to go to Istanbul. So the solution is we'll do both. We've both been to both of those places independently, but not together. Where is the place that you've traveled that you've enjoyed the most in, in, in your adult life? Istanbul. I love it. I used to go there regularly for business. I've not been for quite a few years and I really want to go back, but on holiday. What, I, I've not been there. What, what about that is so attractive for you? It's just a fascinating place. It's a city that sits on two continents. It's it's been there. It, it, it's been an inhabited place for so long now. The centre of several empires. It's a mix of of history, but there's lots of modern, familiar things there as well. So if you want to go for the shopping, you can. I think I was helped because I, when I used to go there, we had a local agent, and he was a big Anglophile. Um, he studied in England and he used to take me around and show all these places I didn't know about and, and things I'd not heard of. And it's just a, a fascinating, different place to visit. So switching gears on you, Jonathan, I have found both in my time at Nina and otherwise that introducing any kind of matrix environment is, is difficult for people if they're coming from you know, an environment that is a little more traditional or, or perhaps even siloed to some extent. To your credit, I have observed anyway that you manage the matrix as well as anyone I've seen. If you were to provide some feedback or guidance or counsel to our colleagues 
as to how you so effectively manage the matrix, which requires a lot of people pulling on you for different things on different days, looking for different different types of information. What would your advice be? I think it's it's communication. You've got to communicate really clearly. You've got to be prepared to say no. But you've also got to explain why you're saying no. You can't say no just because you feel like you don't want to go. But if you've got a good reason, then you shouldn't be afraid to say no. And I encourage all my team as well to engage with these things. But remember, time is our most precious limited asset. So we have to be certain that when we're doing something, it's the best thing we can do for Nina with that amount of time. And to be fair, Mike, when I've said that to people in the US, it's not, well, you should do it because I've asked. They understand. I've worked in matrix structures before, and I've found people are very reasonable and flexible about how to make this work here in a way that some companies haven't been. That's good advice. Continuing down the path of advice, if you were going back to a time in which you were just coming out of university and joining a chemicals company in a commercial kind of rotational program, what advice would you now on your fourth managing director role give to the young Jonathan just coming out of, of university? Don't think you can do it all yourself. It's your team who take you forward and your job is to help them, support them, push them sometimes. But it's not about you showing you can do everything. When when did that first begin to click with you? <laughs> uh, slower than it should have done, if I'm honest, Mike. <laughs> Same here. It, it probably would have been the second role. It, it, it started to click for me. And in the first one, I definitely pushed myself too hard and more importantly, didn't give my team the chance sometimes to show what they could do. So I'd say it was it was the second role. So about after six years. Yeah. So it was slow. Appreciate the candor there. That's it's it's good advice. And I, I think I think it's an opportunity for all of us. Regardless of how long we've been leading, um, it's a good good reminder. So I'm gonna continue on with the advice. Advice that you would have for Julian team if again, kind of that magic wand thing, wave the magic wand, what's the one thing that you would change to make Nina that much better and or more effective? If you'd asked me that question a year or two ago, I, I'd have given you an answer. Now, I think the thing I felt was missing is being done. I've always loved how helpful Nina is. That there's, there's so much that's really good. But, but we used to get very enthusiastic about initiatives. And we'd start them, we'd put the work in, and then they just fade away. And I think the work that's being done to standardize things to, and then to push them through the whole organization and make us do these important things, even if they're not perhaps as urgent to do, you know, like making sure we do the appraisals within a, a, a certain rhythm and time. Uh, as long as we stick with those things, that's what I always wanted to see change. So I'd just say stick with them, keep them going, don't let them, don't let anyone distract from them, and don't launch too many new initiatives till these are bedded in. That's good counsel, and for what it's worth, you you have you have embedded that with me. You've been consistent in saying that, like, hey, you know, e- even if this is eighty percent right, whatever it is, just go with it. Let's just make sure that we see it through and. You know, I, I, I appreciate your consistent voice on that topic because it, it is easy to aim off and move on and swim over to the 
to the next big thing. But um, I think you're right. I think getting getting some of this foundational stuff embedded into the organization is is amongst the most important things we can do. So if there were uh, the, the biggest difference that you experience now that Nina has purchased Fiber Market, I know that goes back some, but what, what, what would you point out to, 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 to be the biggest uh, change for you? I think it was the, the communication and the, and the systematic ways we were engaged as part of the group by Nina. Yeah, and that mostly came from Byron, who was my first boss here. I remember being asked when we became part of the group, how often do you hear from the US? And my response was, when they need cash transferred. <laughs> uh, and that was pretty much it. And there was a lot more engagement, involvement, and, and that was the biggest difference um, for me. So you mentioned that you liked the cinema and you're a music fan. We won't ask you to sing here based on what you said. But if we were to pull out your phone or whatever device you have right now in which you listen to music, what would we find to be the most recently listened to track or artist? I was listening to a band called Massive Attack uh, this morning, a band you might not have heard of from Bristol in England. Um, so I was listening to their uh, one of their albums um, called Mezzanine. Okay. What kind of music is that? I, I'm not familiar with them. What, what kind of music is that? Well, well, in, it, it's from a place called Bristol, and it's known as Trip Hop. Um, so they're quite dark and brooding and very heavy beats. Um, great band. Sets you up for uh, an exciting Monday with the dark and brooding? Yeah, well, it psyched me up because I knew I had a couple of tough conversations today. Gotcha. Gotcha. Makes sense to me. Do you remember the uh, first concert you ever attended, Jonathan? Yeah, it was a band called The Stranglers, uh, a punk band, an English punk band. I got in big trouble because I went and got back really late and I hadn't told my parents I had an exam the next day. <laughs> so I got grounded for quite a while. How did those exams go? Oh, it was fine. I did all right. Fair enough. So at the end of every Getting to Know podcast, Jonathan, we hit, hit our uh, guests with three specific questions. I'm going to run through those with you now to get to know a little bit more about you specifically. The first is, um, what can always be found in your primary refrigerator, no matter what time of year, time of day? Out-of-date food. Out-of-date food? It's normally the healthy stuff. I bought it. And I've forgotten it was there. So salads, strawberries. Strangely, the chocolate never is out of date. That always gets eaten. So your intentions were great at the market, only to come home and just eat the chocolate. I got it. I can, I can relate well to that. So amongst those who know you well, Jonathan, what would you say you're most famous for? Um, I have a very dark some people would say quite twisted sense of humor. <laughs> That's fair. I, I can see that. I, I appreciate it. Um, that's good. I like that. All right. Last question for you. At this very moment, what would you say you are most looking forward to, Jonathan Robson? Two things, um, both for this week. One, I'm catching up with my friends tonight, so that's always good. We always have a great life. And has this been a long time because of COVID? You haven't seen these these, these guys and gals in a while? Yeah, we're, we're doing everything online. Um, so tonight we're actually doing it online, but we're planning to get together uh, because there are 
been restrictions until very recently. And we're all scattered in various towns and cities. And then the other one is I'm buying uh, a new piece of hi-fi kit this week. So I'm going to go, uh, um, I'm looking forward to auditioning that, taking it home, doing lots of swearing when I install it, uh, and then listening to it. That's great. Well, Jonathan, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today on the Getting to Know podcast. It was great to to, to get to know you a little bit better, appreciate the counsel that you've provided us as well, um, and and really have enjoyed getting to know you and 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 you know to see the way that you've worked through the matrix and and the way you go about doing what you do. So we very much appreciate that, not just your time, but 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 what it is that you do every day for us. So uh, thank you for everything that you and your 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 team are doing to drive our growth ambition to life. Thanks very much, Mike. It's been. Uh... A lot more pleasant than I thought it would be. This that's good. I like it when the expectations are low. It 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 it, it worked <laughs> out well for us. So for those of you in the listening audience, thanks for joining us today on another edition of the Getting to Know podcast, and we'll talk to you again in two more weeks. Bye.